and welcome to Spotlights. This is the podcast for the Yale Forum on Religion and Ecology, and I'm your host, Sam Mickey. And you know, there's a few different types of episodes uh, that we have here. We have full episodes where I interview somebody and uh, we put that interview up online. But then I've also been doing some clips where I take snippets from full interviews so that you can get a kind of small, easily digestible sense of what that guest was saying, kind of what their contribution to this kind of work is. Uh, so along with full interviews and along with short clips, I've also been doing some remix episodes where I combine some small clips from multiple episodes. So for instance, uh, we've had Hinduism and ecology as a remix, where I've taken a few different snippets from different people, like David Haberman, Vijaya Nagarajan, and then combine them so you can get a sense of a few different perspectives on a particular topic. So this week, I'm doing another remix episode for you, and this one is on the topic of Buddhism and ecology. So we have two people to feature, right, each of whom has done a full episode of this in the past. I'm taking a clip from each episode and combining them for you. So first, we have Dekila Chungyalpa. She's the director of the LOCA initiative at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. And she's going to talk about how she got into this work of studying and uh, engaging with the intersection of Buddhism and environmentalism. So then after we hear from Tequila, we're going to hear from Chris Ives. He's a professor of religious studies at Stonehill College, and he's going to talk about his kind of wide-ranging work. He's published and taught in the field of uh, Buddhism and ecology for many years, and I'll talk about some of the work he's doing lately. And hopefully this gives you a sense of a couple different ways that you can engage with the study of, of Buddhism in the environment or Buddhism and ecology. And if you're interested in more, hopefully you'll go back and watch their full episodes. All right. So to begin, I'll go ahead and pass it over to Dekila. How did you get into the world of Buddhism and environmentalism and that intersection between them? Because it's not always intuitive for people. Sometimes those are very different worlds, but for you, they very much come together. Yeah, and I think I have two kinds of answers for that question. You know, the first is I come from the Himalayas. I come from this really small place called Sikkim in, um, uh, you know, which is south of Tibet and sort of sandwiched between Nepal and Bhutan. Um, it's a northeastern state in India. And I come from a family of very strong Tibetan Buddhist practitioners, especially female practitioners. Uh, both my grandmother and my mother took their vows later in life. So I was basically raised uh, in a lot of wilderness areas, actually, mm -hmm. with my mother um, mm -hmm. and raised, you know, within the Tibetan Buddhist sort of culture and ethos. Right. Um, so. I didn't quite see a separation between myself and nature. And I was raised to see nature as being alive. You know, I, I sometimes tell the story about the importance of how um, indigenous worldviews matter to conservation and to climate movements, because we know that 80% of biodiversity that are intact today are managed and held by indigenous people. Okay. And so my example for that is always to talk about how I actually come from an area which um, has Mount Kanchenjunga, which is the third mm -hmm. tallest peak in the world, mm -hmm. but no one knows about it because it's not allowed to be climbed. 
right? And so the indigenous people of Sikkim, the Bhutia, the Lepcha, you know, the Tsong, the Limbu, everybody that is there have been fighting local efforts, government efforts, you know, corporation efforts to basically turn this into a massive income generation kind of program because for us, he's alive, right? He's the protective deity for Sikkim. And so my first answer is, I'm not sure I ever saw a difference between my Buddhist philosophy, ethos, and upbringing, and then nature, right? And my love for wilderness. Um, but my second answer is, um, you know, I went on to study environmental science and environmental policy. I um, joined the World Wildlife Fund at 2000. Um, and began working in community-based conservation very quickly in the Himalayas, mm. and then went on to work um, in the Mekong region in Southeast Asia. Mm. Um, and, you know, I, I've often said it, I was really successful at that point. I was the youngest program director at WWF, and, mm. you know, I was a brown Himalayan woman that had kind of broken this, the barrier, right, by getting to be an expert in a different geography than her own, mm. um, which is a particularly acute problem for people of color, which is you recognize an expert, but only if it's localized, right? right. Um, and so you would think I would be excited and happy. And actually I was experiencing real grief mm. and some amount of trauma because what was dawning on me and which dawns on every environmentalist sooner or later is that the work I was doing wasn't happening quickly enough and wasn't large enough, right? In terms of scale and scope and nothing I as one person was doing could change this tide of climate disasters that basically I was seeing and mapping and projecting in my mind, right? Day in, day out, that was my work. Um, and not knowing how to protect communities, not knowing how to convince governments, trying our best to come convince governments and private actors, but at the end of the day, of course, failing a lot more <laughs> than succeeding. Right. Um, and so I was just in this state of despair. Um, and my family does this annual pilgrimage to Bodh Gaya, which is uh, the the place where Buddha was enlightened. So it's sort of uh, the main pilgrimage point for Buddhists. And His Holiness, the Karmapa, who's the head of my lineage, was there. He gave this teaching on vegetarianism and the environment. He was very young. like He, he was a very dedicated environmentalist, but um, he, I think part of the being very young also is he thinks out of the box. You know, he's quite revolutionary in his thinking. Um, for example, he's very strong about gender equality within the religion, right? Um, anyway, he gave this talk on vegetarianism and he tied it to climate change and he tied it to Buddhist ethics and a specific prayer that Tibetan Buddhists are taught very young. And the prayer basically says, may I benefit all sentient beings. And we say it day in, day out. It's the most common prayer we have, that basically our belief is that we, um, we exist and the purpose of our existence is to benefit others. So what he was saying to us was, you probably do this prayer. And everybody said, yes. You know, there are about roughly 10,000 people there. And he said, and yet, you probably go to eat meat, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And, and everyone's saying yes. And he said, how? 
think about it. Think about what that prayer means. And that if you have the choice, if you, and he explained, if you don't have the choice and you are in, you know, high altitudes where you don't get vegetables and fresh fruit, then yes, of course, you're dependent on meat. But if you do have the choice, why wouldn't you become a vegetarian? And it was like a light bulb went off in my mind because what I watched was thousands of people making the commitment to become vegetarian in that moment, right? And what I suddenly realized was, you know, how is it that it never occurred to me, the daughter of a religious leader, (laughs) that I could appeal to religious leaders and ask religious leaders to work on environmental problems. Like, it had just never occurred to me until that moment. Um, and so what I ended up doing, well, two things. So that, that's my big answer for how I combine those two things. But what ended up happening very karmically <laughs> um, was that I had a meeting with his wholeness lo- long after. And he asked me if I would create environmental guidelines for the mm-hmm. monasteries and the nunneries. And that is how Koryuk was born oh. without any you know, without any design, any strategy in mind, it just sort of snowballed and snowballed. <laughs> so that's that's how I ended up, I think, not necessarily, you know, being introduced to faith and ecology, but more rather, I think, owning up to faith mm. and ecology and the intersection of it, right? All right. Thanks so much to Tequila Chunyalpa. Uh, now I'm going to pass it over to Dr. Chris Ives. Chris. Hello, I'm Chris Ives, a professor of religious studies at Stonehill College, south of Boston, and a scholar of Zen Buddhism and ethics. Most recently, my work is focused on Buddhism, nature, and environmental ethics. I teach an upper-level course with that as its title, and over the years, I've published a number of articles in that area, basically in the field of Buddhism and ecology. What I'm looking forward to in 2022 is a sabbatical to pull those articles together into a monograph that will have three foci. The first focus will be on forms of Buddhist environmental activism, whether it's local environmental projects or political protest, in an attempt to map the contours of Buddhist engagement with environmental issues. The second part of that book will pull from a number of those articles and look at debates in the field of Buddhism and ecology, debates about how much mileage we can get from such Buddhist constructs as non-harming, interconnectedness, wisdom, compassion, and so forth. The last part of the book will be an overview of contours of a systematic Buddhist environmental ethic, something that has not yet been articulated in the area of Buddhism and ecology. Lots of articles looking at facets of environmental issues from a Buddhist perspective, reflecting on Buddhist philosophical resources for doing environmental ethics, but no full monograph length systematic Buddhist environmental ethic. In addition to that, I've been working on a manuscript for a more general audience, tentatively titled Living Buddhist Ethics. And that's my attempt to draw from resources in Buddhism, especially the Zen tradition and Zen monasticism, to envision alternative ways of living, both at the individual level, lifestyle change, and at the social level, aimed at structural change. 
basically looking at green living at the more individual level and Buddhist resources for activism and Buddhist resources for envisioning alternative types of societies, sustainable, more democratic societies, societies that take eco-justice seriously. In addition to those scholarly projects, I've also been working on several books for a more general audience. In 2018, I published Zen on the Trail, Hiking as Pilgrimage, which drew from my lifelong love of backpacking, uh, my teaching on religious pilgrimage, and my work on the Zen form of Buddhism to look at hiking as a kind of spiritual practice. Next year, in 2021, I'll actually be publishing a companion volume, Meditations on the Trail, which will consist of 24 guided meditations to help people realize our embeddedness in nature as nature. In addition to that scholarly and uh, more popular writing, I also find myself involved in various forms of activism. I've worked at times with Citizens Climate Lobby, uh, Elders Climate Action, and other groups, sometimes involved in letter writing campaigns, protests, attempts to uh, educate our fellow citizens about issues, especially the climate crisis. Also, as indicated by those titles of my more popular writings, um, I have throughout my life been an avid hiker and backpacker, and I also enjoy going for long swims in Walden Pond, not too far from my home here near Boston, and to get out into the surf bodyboarding in different areas around New England and beyond. So I hope I will hear from you. I hope we can collaborate in the field of Buddhism and ecology, and perhaps even in activism and efforts to address such catastrophic issues as the climate crisis. And I hope we will be in dialogue going forward, whether through the Forum on Religion and Ecology or in other venues. So I look forward to being in dialogue with you, and I hope you will join me in exploring Buddhism and ecology and taking steps to make our beautiful planet a place that sustains all life in full biodiversity and flourishing. Thank you. All right, thank you so much uh, to Christopher Ives and to Tequila Chungyalpa. So I hope you enjoyed uh, hearing their comments and I hope you go back and listen to their full episodes for more. And I'll be back next week with some more content for you. In the meantime, take care and be well.